and his Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for ending this nonsense in the hospital and bringing back to health. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. And Father, we put a hedge of protection around him. This virus will, that is going around will not attack his body. We thank you, Lord, that he is virus-free and symptom-free. So we thank you, Lord, for bringing Steve right back home, healthy, whole, and sound. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. God is good. Amen. He, he wants us to, to pray and <clears throat> never give up. Amen. He said, men are all, I ought always to pray and to not faint. And so we don't give up. Amen. Fainting means to give up and go do something else, which I don't know what else you would do if you, after you committed to a life of prayer, you know, there's not a whole lot more things you want to do. And so we are very thankful for the privilege of prayer and the honor that comes with it, with the determination to pray and to ask God and expect God to intervene. We expect Steve to get well. Amen. We expect him to be better. Amen. We expect to see him up and walking around and doing his normal thing. So we're so thankful for the opportunity to participate in his miracle. So amen, 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 amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that when you pray, you begin to get better right away. Amen. When you pray, you begin to get better right away. I don't know what kind of title that's label it's going to make, but anywho, <laughs> we'll try to abbreviate it. A small one. Yeah, a small writing. Uh, but uh, we taught on this about a year ago in one of our healing schools, and I thought it would be a good one to focus in on today. Of course, it's always good to focus on the word. Amen. Because in the word is everything that we need. There's health and wholeness. There's healing and soundness. Everything that we need is in God's word. And so we can never go wrong when we trust the word of God and feast on the word, meditate on the word, embrace the word as belonging to us. That is your possession. That's your inheritance. Your rightful inheritance is the word of God. And so when we think about what the word can do for us, it is our very life, amen, uh, because life and health are in the word. Uh, we get wisdom and understanding. We get uh, understanding of God and who he is, what he wants to do, how he wants to work with us, how he wants to help us. We get all of that from the word of God. So you can say that the word is a treasure for you. You know, the, your Bible is your treasure, and it's good to dig into the treasure and get as much out of the, the deep recesses, get the superficial, get the deep, get what's available right away, uh, and get the things that are stored for later. Uh, it's just always good to focus on the Word of God. And so that's why we gather together uh, in the name of the Lord, and that's why we begin to study, and that's why we begin to pray and worship and all of the things that are, are needed, necessary, we do those things because of the richness of God's word. The Bible also says that the word is Jesus. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So he is the living word. And when he comes to live in us, then we come alive in him. And we begin to live our lives, not as defeated people, but as victorious Christians over every circumstance. So it's just a good thing to always remember the power of the word in our lives. 
and make the decision to go after the word with everything that's in us. So if you'll turn to John chapter 4, amen, uh, we always try to begin with Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, and I'll just speak it. It says, my son, attend to my word. So that's why we're here is pay attention to God's word. Incline thine ear to my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them in health or medicine to all their flesh. So the word is medicine, and always be aware of that. Uh, don't just look at the word as some pages uh, in a book. Or look at it as something you're forced to have to read every day. Uh, but look at it as healing, bringing healing to you every time you look in the Word of God. There's something that happens supernaturally uh, through your contact with the Word of God. And so uh, in starting in verse 43, John 4, start with verse 43. Now after two days, speaking of Jesus, he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, come, sir, or my child will die. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son is living. And then the man inquired of them when the hour when his son began to mend to amend. And he, they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said to him, your son lives and himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Now, this is an interesting account of how faith works because what you see here is a person in an emergency situation. Um, And that's not uncommon when, when health is concerned or where health and healing are concerned. Um, everybody who gets bad news feels in a panic. Yeah. I mean that it just kind of hits you on the inside that something's not right and it needs to be adjusted. There's something going on here. Uh, You know, your mind can start to wander and you can't rest. You feel restless and, and it's really, um, a torturous situation. I think about people who are waiting for test results. You know, say you found a lump somewhere in your body. God forbid, but it does happen. And so, you know, you, you want, you want to get it checked out because everybody knows the danger signs. Amen. Uh, and so when you, when you first get, when you first perceive that there's something wrong, 
there is kind of like a reaction that goes off in us that can send us into, can send us one way or the other. It can send you to God with your faith in him and trust in him, or it can send you into a panic. And, and so that some people never really get their peace back. They never get their bearings back. Some people have to wait many days, sometimes even weeks for test results. You know, if you have to go to the doctor, if you go to your regular doctor, you might wait a month for an appointment unless they have mercy on you and say, well, well, I'm going to send you to this person because this needs to be taken care of right away, that kind of stuff. Seems still people have more, the more money you have, the more rush you can get on what you need. Rich people don't wait for nothing. Somebody who's wealthy is not going to sit up for two weeks and wait for an appointment to get a biopsy and then wait another two weeks to get the result. Just saying. Amen. If Even if we went to a one-payer socialized medicine system, it would be worse. It wouldn't get better. But rich people are going to find a way to get what they want when they want it. Amen. And so I say that to say thinking the world system is superior to God's system is just you're, you're opening yourself up into a system where you don't have any more control over what's going to happen to you. You don't have the means to get the best of care, even though we think we got good insurance and all this kind of stuff. You know, you can have the best of what the world has to offer, but it's still not superior to what God has already in store for us if we'll seek God. This is what I tell people. Before you go rushing off to urgent care, anybody's care, could you please pray? Could you please get in your word? Could you please uh, uh, lawyer up? And tell Jesus, you know what? The devil is trying to hand me a warrant to arrest my health. See, that's really what that is. When you get a symptom, you've been handed a warrant. And the devil wants to arrest your health and take it away from you. If you're saved, you're healed. You need to make up your mind about that. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, because the atonement paid for everything. You get, didn't get a down payment. See, it's easy for people to believe in salvation because it's not imminent right now. You ain't going to heaven until you're a ripe old age. Most people understand that. And so it doesn't put any pressure on you to believe that you go to heaven one day when you die. But it puts pressure on you. When you have symptoms in your body to trust God to get rid of them for you. Cause there's going to be evidence of whether you believe or not. Huh? See, we can all say, thank God I'm saved and we can jump up and down and be real hallelujah type people, yada, 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 yada. And some people are saved and some people are don't. You know, the Lord knows those who are his. So there's no pressure on us to prove that we really have Jesus in our hearts. It's a personal thing. It's a private thing. You know the people who have faked people out that they were saved over the years? <laughs> they talk to jargon. They, You understand what I'm saying? They know how to play the game. Huh? 
Every funeral you go to, confess Christ at an early age. Nobody was around to hear the confession. You know, we don't know if they confessed him or not. Live for the devil all them years. Amen. So what good did their salvation do them? See what I'm saying? But see, those of us who want to live for God every day, there's a, uh, kind of like a pressure on you to develop your faith so that it can start to work for you the way God wants it to work for you. Because the Bible says people who are justified live by faith. See, that's part of your justification is that you live by the faith of the Son of God. You want to use your faith. You want to do things that please God. You want to use the word to receive what you need from God. You want to do those things. So justified people want to extend their justification into every area of their life and and then begin to believe God for many, many things that 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 people think it's it's not necessary to to do that. You know, don't pass up an opportunity to use your faith. Ask God to show you ways to use your faith. Allow him to expand that relationship, the faith relationship that you have with him, not to just everyday things. I mean, not, you know, not to exclude everyday things. But to include every single decision you make, every single uh, plan that you make, all of the things you want to use your faith in God for those things. Faith in God begins where the will of God is known. So when you know the will of God for your life, that's where your faith begins. You know, you know God wants you uh, to be uh, uh, healthy and wealthy. You know, those are two things that we we just understand that God wants for us. And so once you understand that, then God will put you on a path of making sure that health and wealth are yours, that they come to you. So you don't have to worry anymore about uh, whether or not you'll 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 be able to, to sustain your life, whether or not you'll be able to. And, and at every decision point, you have to seek God again for more direction. You can't get an answer from God and then run off with that and think you're going to live your life the way you want to and never check back with God again. God wants to guide your every step and your every move because he knows we need him to that degree. People want to think that, you know, well, you know, God's not interested. He's interested in everything that you're interested in. In fact, he should be our main focus and our main interest. Interest, And so Jesus says, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and the completer of our faith. He started it. He will finish it. And he will work with you in your faith every day in between. Which means that you have no clue as to what you need. You have no clue as to what he has planned for you. Other than every day getting up in a vague understanding of where you're going. But step by step, you have no clue. And so when you start talking about living by faith, and I mean doing everything by faith, living by faith, 
you have to understand that God is after something in this relationship, this faith relationship that he has with you. If Jesus is the author and completer of our faith, then he is after something in everything that happens in your life. He has a plan for everything that happens in everything that happens in your life. He has something in mind that he wants you to accomplish with your faith. It's not just you, you got faith so that you can do what you want to do. You're using his faith. It's his word. It's his, his, uh, power. It's his name. Everything belongs to him. And how could we dare think we can take that and do what we want to do with it and just leave him off to the side somewhere? So we have to seek God at every, we have to do these things to make sure that, that our faith is, is producing what God wants it to produce. Our faith has the strength that he needs it to have. We're a part of a body. If you think about it like that, we're part of a body. We have uh, active parts. We have inactive parts. We have parts that are stronger than other parts. We have parts that are being developed. We have all kinds. But every part is under the authority of God and must obey the, the, the uh, instruction of the Holy Spirit. You don't know what God has in store for you that the body of Christ may need your efforts to pull something in and you gotta be up to, you gotta be in shape to, in order to do it. See, you gotta be able to pull a certain degree of spiritual muscle in order that the rest of the body function the way it's supposed to function. So that's what, that's part of what he has invested in us. That we're part of a larger picture and he is developing us so that we can pull our weight, so to speak, in the larger picture. If he wants you to be able to pray for a whole hour nonstop, he will develop you so that you can get there. Now you may think that's, well, that's for some people. That's not for me, whatever, whatever. I don't care what you think. But if, if that's the challenge that's before you, say for instance, you have a child that's sick and, and you begin to pray for that child and that, that child's condition doesn't begin to turn for a half hour, 45 minutes. What you going to do? Quit? See, many times we're called upon to stretch ourselves just another five minutes, stretch another ten minutes, stretch another whatever, just so God can have somebody that has that capability to obey him and work with him down here on the earth. So he's the author and the finisher of our faith. You don't decide what you believe and what you don't believe and how you believe it and whether you give up and whether you quit. You don't decide that. That's his faith you're using to accomplish everything. At least give him the respect of letting him be in charge. Huh?
But when, when my husband was alive, he would, you know, we had everything that had his name on it, had my name on it too. That didn't mean I was in charge of nothing. <laughs> Nikki and David. See, where I lived, you had one time to jump out the pocket and jump right back in again and say, you sorry, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. But you couldn't do that all the time. You didn't run that week story. That's what but my husband used to call, oh, don't be running that week. Well, he, you, I can't repeat what he said, but. <laughs> can't be running that by me. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, if you messed up, you had to come with something stronger than oops, I didn't mean to. Huh? And if, and if a human being can hold you to that standard, what do you think God's holding us to? Huh? If you're in charge, you're in charge. If you own it, you own it. And Jesus owns our faith. It resides in you. It's on loan to you. There are many things you can do with it, but don't get so grabby up in there where you just think you run off and do what you want to do when you want to do it. You can't do that. Not with his faith, you can. Number one, his faith only operates in accordance with the word of God. He won't co-sign what he don't author. Amen. I'm going to say it again. He will not co-sign what he doesn't author. You know, many times we get great mercy for God and we think we get it because we're being obedient. Don't ever dare deceive yourself. Amen. Jesus wants to grow our faith. He wants to increase our faith. And we want it increased. Didn't his disciples ask him, Lord, increase our faith? So that's on the heart of every believer. We want to be able to do more. We want to see miracles. We want to be able to really overcome the world. We want to be able to see change where we haven't seen change before. When you're saved, you finally get the opportunity to make major difference in some areas of life that have in the past been closed off to you. So you get that by obedience to God and letting him further develop your faith. There are some things that God will require us to do that we feel are totally unrelated to what we're looking for. Because basically we're all looking for the same thing we want. We want money to take care of ourselves. We want, you know, we want to be comfortable in life. And he may get us involved in some things and we wonder, how does this have anything to do with what I'm after? Huh? Then you realize you're not just in it for you. Huh? Now he'll take care of you. No doubt about it. He'll take care of you better than you've ever been taken care of in your life. But you got to do something for him too. Amen. It's called a covenant. There are certain things when he lets you use his faith and lets you use his word and his name, his power. Huh? There's some reciprocating you got to do. Amen. 
Oh, I love God. I give him worship, honor, and glory. You're going to give him more than that. <laughs> you're going to let go of some of them little treasures you think you've been holding on to that you don't want to let go of. Amen. Huh? It's hard at first for some people, but it gets easier. Because you'll realize one day, God can live with me in my condition and never complain, never belittle me, huh? Never reject me, huh? Never say I'm done with you. Amen? He can live with me no matter what my situation is and still love me. Don't remember the dumb stuff I did. Definitely doesn't hold it against me. Huh? And so when we think about the great love that he has for us, it becomes a small thing to allow him to use us, to use our faith for things that are important to him. So Jesus has in mind something for your faith, how to develop your faith in every situation of your life. It's the same thing with this man here. We see him interact with this gentleman. Jesus has has come back to Cana of Galilee. He had done a miracle here, and it was a, he had a reputation in this city as a miracle worker. Now, people who like miracles are looking for something. Amen. And I'm not talking about spiritually looking. The miracle people, people who want miracles, want to see something visible and something tangible. And many times they're hooking their faith up to the visible, which we should not do, but we do it anyway. Amen. And so it's easy to stay engaged in things when you can see it, hear, touch it, taste it, feel it. It's a little more challenging when we have to do it totally by faith, where we're blinded in the natural, where we don't see anything for a long period of time. We just got to trust that it's coming. It's on the way. It'll be here soon. It'll be here not soon. But we got to trust God that it's, it's, that he will keep his word in the thing that we're asking him to do for us. And so that becomes the next step challenge for your faith. If Jesus really is the author and finisher of your faith, he has every right to stop the eyeballing and start you to live by faith for real. Start you not being able to see anything for a long period of time and still believe him. Amen. The nice thing about the Lord, he's full of mercy and he will not challenge you beyond. He's not challenging you to break you, but he is challenging you to stretch you and to develop you. Just like these personal trainers, you know, they, they'll tell, they'll try to encourage you up to a point, but if you whine too much, they put, the, put you on the bottom of the list. You understand what I'm saying? They don't have too much to do with you for too much longer. They consider you not a good candidate for whatever it is you try to accomplish and they move on. But see, Jesus does not quit on us. He, his faith is not the quitting kind of faith because he has total confidence that whatever our challenge is, that we will be able to make it through. Why? Cause we're yoked up with him. You're never in it by yourself. 
You're not pulling all the load by yourself. You're not doing all the waiting by yourself. He's your constant companion in everything that you do. So, you know, this, oh, I'm tired of this and I'm tired of that and tired of, tired of, you ain't doing nothing. How you tired and you yoked up with him? He said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You need to take him at his word and quit this nonsense. Huh? No, you just want to get what you want from God and then go get in the flesh and enjoy it. Huh? (laughs) You pull it in in the spirit and then go enjoy it in the flesh. That ain't right. Jesus can't enjoy it with you over there. He ain't coming over in the flesh with you. He's just just wondering where you went all of a sudden. Say, man, I had the government send everybody at twelve hundred dollars. I ain't seen a tenth. I ain't seen a tenth of it yet. I ain't seen nothing change down there. They got all yippy kaye. And then they, then they, uh, Trump haters and they spending his money. Huh? Don't even want to say thank you God for sending that man to give us some money. Huh? Totally wrong. Totally wrong. So that's why we wait. You're not waiting alone and you're not waiting in vain. But you're waiting. He's really waiting on you to mature and develop so that he can trust you and put it in your hands and know you're not going to run off in the flesh and mess your life up with it. You know, people mess their lives up over a a little bit of something. Lord knows we don't need nothing real big. (laughs) We really wouldn't be able to handle it. So here this gentleman finds out something that's going to help him, he believes. He finds out Jesus the miracle worker is back in town, even though he lives in another town. It, it, it appears that this other town that he's from, where his his sick son is a, is a day's walk from where he is, where he meets Jesus. But he he knows he must get to him in order to get help for his son and so he makes the journey and he understands that that he can get an audience with jesus he knows he's helped everybody he's willing to take the chance amen and so it says a certain nobleman whose son was sick so this is a wealthy man he's accustomed to being able to afford what he needs being able to pay for what he needs but he goes to jesus in in he kind of has to recognize that he's not an important person here. This is the thing that you, you don't go to God commending yourself. You don't go because you do everything right. You don't have an audience with God because you're, you're holy in your own right or you haven't done this wrong in a long time or you gave this up or you gave that up. Some of the stuff gave you up. Some of these stuff, you know, some of the stuff we don't do no more. We don't remember when it left, how it left, what made it left. In fact, we be groping around looking for it. And now we can't find it. Just a thought. It'll come to you one day this week. Amen. 
You say, oh yeah, that's what she was talking about. <laughs> so anyway, Jesus knows that people are attracted to the spectacular and, and you know, the carnal, really. Because he had to rebuke the people who came to see him after he had fed 5,000 people. Told him, don't labor for the meat that perishes, but labor for the meat that leads to eternal life. And so he knows how to read our thoughts and read our hearts. So he knows when we come to him humbly and we come to him totally by faith, totally wanting to trust him. Amen. So when he comes there, it's in the midst of, of a reputation that Jesus has had in the past that he has to work in. So here's Jesus wanting to work and help people. But the prevailing attitude in that atmosphere is we want to see something. And he understands that. He knows it. And he tells them, he said, you want to see before you believe. Amen. Which comes as as an observation and as somewhat of a rebuke. Amen. Because he said here, Verse 46, so Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee where he made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son for his son was at the point of death and Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The man said to him again, come down or my son is going to die. Now, when Jesus rebukes this whole crowd, this whole gathering, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He's putting them on notice that he's going to bring them up another notch or a higher level to where they're not depending upon what they see for their faith. So that's always a greater level to live in, the level of of walking by faith and not by sight is a higher level of living than trusting in signs and wonders for your faith. See, this is this is something that will happen to all of us and does happen to all of us. Back in the day, if you stubbed your toe or you know, you, you know, stepped down wrong on your ankle and twisted it and it started to swell up a little bit. You could confess the word over it a good five minutes and go back down again and you walk, stomp it down and you're all good. Amen. But what about the time when you stomp it and stomp it and it don't move in five minutes? Huh? So God will move us from the instantaneous to the got to walk by faith, got to live by faith, got to apply faith that you're healed continually in order to see your miracle whenever God says it's supposed to show up. See, this is the interesting thing about him being the author and finisher and developer of our faith. He is developing faith in us not only that we will need for our needs, and if you're, you're real cool for your intercessory prayer needs, 
Most people don't have a prayer life, folks. Most Christians do not have a prayer life. They certainly don't have assigned prayers to pray where they watch over something and, and watch the progress of it and take responsibility for changes in society and the church and homes and everywhere that most people don't have that. Amen. And that's not the, to pat us on the back. We're just doing what we're assigned to do. You got me? But you got to understand where the average Christian is coming from. That's why you see everybody requesting prayer on Facebook. Because they can't get it anywhere else. And I'm talking about ministers. I see ministers on there begging for prayer. I'm thinking, well, what's your church doing? You know, you're bragging about all these places you visiting. I'm, I'm getting on a plane going here, a plane going there, and then you want prayer from people that you don't even know. You don't even know if they're praying or not. You don't have relationship with them. Very odd times we live in here, folks. Very odd times. But I'm telling you, most people don't allow Jesus to develop their faith. For most people, it's too frustrating, too much trouble. Can't get it fast enough. Can't get anybody to teach them. Can't get anybody to invest themselves in understanding things. So that they have something to teach people. You know, the, the really studious people are leaving the earth every day. You know, the ones that we depended upon, the Hagans and the, uh, 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 Norval Hayes, uh, um, uh, Oral Roberts, uh, people like that who heavily invested themselves in relationship with God and the study of the word so that they had something that worked to present to God's people. Everybody out there now is theorizing. Everybody out there is making prophecies that we can't hold them accountable for because we don't know them. We don't know if they ever tell the truth. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's a very strange turn of events out there, but I am telling you that Jesus is still the author and the finisher of our faith. He still wants to develop strong faith in us. The stronger your faith can be, the more he is in that with you. He's not going to push you beyond your ability to wait or to trust him or anything like that. He's not here to torture us with what we can't have and what we don't have to see how long we can go without something. So there's no reason to quit and give up and go your own way. Because he loves us. And he wants us to have the things that we desire, but he knows for a fact that you will never get beyond babyhood in your walk with him if he doesn't at some point take the toys away from your eyes and start having you trust him and get to know him, the author and the finisher of your faith. You, you got to get to know him. You know what? It's just so impolite to take stuff from people and not care who they are. Not care who this person is that did this great thing for you. Not go back and thank them. Which really, to be honest with you, according to the Bible, 
Only 10% of people thank God. Remember the lepers? 10 got healed. He said only one came back. That's 10%. So a tithe of all the people that God helps come back to say thanks. See, that's what why faith is so rare, if I can say that, in the earth. That's why people who use their faith get so persecuted. Huh? People think you're crazy if you, you know, well, I'm not going to get no surgery. You know, God, God, you won't take me, take me, but I'm trusting you. You know what I'm saying? I've done that all since I've been saved. There's no reason to jump ship now. You understand what I'm saying? I'll trust you through this. I'm not going. Uh-uh. You gotta trust that the doctor is sober. You gotta trust the instruments are clean. You gotta trust Rona ain't waiting for you in there in the hospital somewhere waiting to jump on you. That's a lot of trusting. Now, all I can say is if that's, that's your best option, take it. You understand what I'm saying? If you know your faith, you don't really trust God's word and this is new to you. And even when it's new to people, some people can trust him for great things and just, just barely just got saved. But you won't know that until you seek him. Now go to him, talk to him. Lawyer up. Say, God, I have no defense against this illness that has come into my life. There's nothing I can do, but my eyes are on you. Amen. That's worked in the Bible too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So this gentleman must believe that Jesus can heal his son since he traveled all this way to ask Jesus to come and heal him. Now many times this represents somebody Who's like, like the example I gave with, you know, with the injury that we might have and then we stomp our foot and five minutes is gone. Now the five minutes is up and it's not gone. What are we going to do? So you have a choice here. You can continue to stand on the word, continue to confess the word, continue to believe God's going to take it away supernaturally, but you just may have to work at it as we say, work your faith a little bit longer in order to get it. That's Jesus stretching your faith. Your faith now is doing more work and pulling more spiritual muscle now that you have to continue in it before you get the desired result than it would have if it moved instantly. But how many of us, our minds, if it doesn't move instantly, how many of us minds will say, well, this is good. See? And it is good. You see what I'm saying? And so that just shows you how the author and finisher of our faith thinks totally different about this faith game than we do. Because he's looking at what he can develop in you and you're looking at, let me get it over with so I can get back to do, cutting up and doing what I used to be doing with this foot. Amen. Uh-huh. So we gauge even our, the way that we evaluate his faith, it's not our faith anymore. It's totally screwy. It's carnal. We think if it happens instantly, that means, ooh, I got power. 
Look at what I can do. Oh yeah, as soon as I was, as soon as I started speaking that word over my foot, honey, that thing get left up out of there. I was dancing in five minutes. Well, suppose you gotta wrap it up for a day. And go home and put some tapes on. And suppose it still don't get better and the devil keeps telling you that foot is broke. You know it's broke. You better go get an x-ray. You gotta go get it. Just go and do it. Cause you know I broke your foot. Oops, I mean you broke your foot. Huh? So this is the challenge. Are you going to hold on to the fact that you're healed? And claim none of his bones were broken and none of your bones are broken. You don't have any broken bones. So you need to be able to claim those things. Huh? So here this gentleman wants his son to be healed, but he has something in mind already for how it's going to happen. Ever been there? He says, come with me so that you can go where I am to where my son is and heal him. And Jesus says, mm, no, not today. We ain't doing it that way today. See, this is what we hate. We hate for Jesus to be who he is. We hate for him to be God. We hate for him to have something else in mind. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. Now, I didn't want all of that. Now, I just didn't want all that. I don't want to get involved in all that. Uh Uh-huh. Waiting and confessing. and I don't know. I got to walk all the way back home and. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, you know, come on. I wasn't banking on that. No, you're never banking on what he has in store for you. Like I said, if we all had our way, we'd take the goodies and run ahead of time. We'd steal it from him if we could. Amen. Thank God it's out in glory where we can't get our little paws on it. Hmm? I was Somebody was talking to me about <clears throat> some people that I guess during the... There was a crash in 2008. That was the last one. But I think sometime back, some of the automobile manufacturers had to downsize their workforce. So they were offering people who weren't retirement age or early out buyout where they give them a certain amount of, I guess they bought out their retirement really. They, that was their retirement. So whatever they had invested in the company retirement, they gave that to them. And they let them go early. Many of them went back to work. You had the option later go back. But the buyout people, some of them got like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. You know, a lot of those people, like in nine months, that money was gone. All of it. All of it. Huh? See, this is why Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Because if he gave you everything you wanted instantly, you'd leave him so far in the dust, he wouldn't know the last move you made. Now, we can all protest and say that ain't right, but he knows us. We don't know us. 
And many times we don't know why we're anxious about things. We don't even understand why we feel like we don't want to serve God anymore if we gotta wait for, if I gotta wait for one more thing around here, I'm just gonna quit. Huh? Y'all don't know who I am. I'm just adjusting my crown. Thank you, Nikki. Huh? I'm the queen. You know, people, <laughs> people, you know, respond to you on Facebook. Oh, God bless you, queen, so-and-so-and-so. No, it's your majesty. If I'm really a queen, address me the right way. Huh? They don't call Queen Elizabeth. Oh, thank you, Queen. No, it's your majesty. Huh? Calling themselves queen and don't even know how to address themselves. I'm either too old, too saved, or too something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, it's kind of. And you come into the midst of all that and you just want to represent Jesus and it's like, man, when, <laughs> it's like, Auntie M, take me home, Auntie M. And I was like, you just want to leave all of a sudden. What happened? <laughs> so Jesus reprimands these people for wanting to see signs and wonders as a condition of believing. In another instance, he told the the uh, Pharisees, uh, uh, "Faithless and perverse generation." He says, "You some just y'all twisted some kind of way, amen." Because they wanted to see signs and wonders as a condition of believing. So what Jesus is saying that's a, an indication of carnality when we got to see something and then believe. The only person he ever really satisfied that had that request was was Thomas, the disciple. Because it was very important for Tom. That was extreme mercy. Because Jesus had been raised from the dead and he Thomas did not have resurrection faith. So he had to see Jesus first and then believe. But Jesus said, blessed are those who believe first and then see. So he set a new standard. He said, okay, Thomas, I'm going to help you out this one. Let me help you out. I'm going to help you out this one time. But from now on, I set a new standard. You're going to start believing before you see something. In other words, this is the end of this deal, buddy. Amen. The train stops here. And I want everybody off. From now on, you're going to have to believe because the comfort of the Holy Spirit now is able to reside in you to help you with your faith. So there's no reason why we as believers cannot believe before we see. Because you do it all the time. We do it with the stuff we want to do it with. But when it comes to the word, we want to whine. Oh, this ain't fair. And that, well, God, I don't see why. Why I gotta be the one to always be doing so and so. Cause you run your mouth so much. You're always begging for something, asking for something. 
We got a want list a mile long. Huh? Your roll of toilet paper wish list. Just roll it right on out there. Look at all that stuff on there. <laughs> I remember God told me to get rid of my list. I'll go, what list? <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> Right. I was thinking about it. Some of the stuff, you know, I I think I was telling the Lord, I said, oh, well, you know, he said, some of that stuff has been on there so long, some of it in crayon. Huh? Rich husband. Top of list. Huh? It's always been up there. Not saying you're going to get it. You're going to have to do your part now. Listen, you, the more they got, the more they demand. Sometimes you just want to scratch some stuff off and say, alive and well. <laughs> like, like in your nursing notes, A and W. Uh, alive and well. Uh, well, the well part we working on, huh? But when Jesus decides to bump up your faith, see, you're going to be different. You're going to be changed. You're going to be able to command certain things you could not command before. You're going to have an endurance in you that you didn't have before. You're going to have a patience in you you didn't have before. You're going to get rid of the shrieks and the, and the cries and the squeals and the being sensitive about everything and tender. You're going to be one of those people you used to dislike. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. You're going to be one of them people you used to dislike. Because now, see, on, on your side of your faith, on the carnal side of faith, you can't see what those people have. But once you enter into it, that's when you begin to know what it's all about. Amen. You're just sitting on the outside critiquing. Huh? so this man must receive his son's healing on the condition that jesus sets for the healing so when we decide we're going to pull out our our uh, old old confession and our old this and our old our old routine we're going to whip that out in a new situation jesus is here to tell you ain't working no more Amen. Now I don't want that no more. Uh, game over. Amen. I set the rules for the game. Amen. If he wants to move the goalpost, he'll move the goalpost. Well, I was barely making it before. Well, I don't know what you're gonna do, sister. You're gonna have, you're gonna have to come up with something different. Cause it's a whole new day now. And see, if we could see in the realm of the spirit and see how the devil is gaining on that little game you you used to pull to get everything you needed. Huh? That little pocket change faith you think you've been working. And some of us ain't even been working that. Most of us been, you know, you've been begging for stuff and then you run out and get it. Oh, look what God. 
God did. Now, wait, wait, wait. Hold it. Wait a minute. Trying to pull a fast one on us again. It's not working. Not working. Jesus knows it's totally possible for this man to believe without seeing. That's why he puts his faith to the test. Because he knows it's possible for you to accomplish it. Problem is, you don't know it's possible. It's going to be news to you. Huh? But you're going to see. If you believe, you'll see. Not if you see, you believe. But if you believe, you'll see. Amen. So Jesus challenges him to believe without seeing. This really is the God kind of faith. This is the faith that's needed to bring this miracle to pass for this gentleman. Now Jesus doesn't have, there's a lot of ways Jesus can do this. He can materially move himself from city to city in an instant. So he could show up at that boy's bed, touch him and heal him. But he wants the father's faith engaged in this. There's something about this nobleman. This man has started believing. After that, you you got to be all in. Because he's using God's faith anyway see in order for him to come to jesus he has to invest his measure of faith over into jesus his ability his word his anointing he must invest his faith over into him once you invest your faith over into jesus it's up to jesus what he does with that faith after that it ain't up to you anymore so you can't just come and put your faith in him and then take it back. Wait, wait a minute. Put it in, take it back. Put it in, take it back. I don't know if that's going to work or not. I don't huh? And it's best not to get lukewarm on him. Huh? Because you know, Jesus, he's our best friend. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, but he's God as well. Amen. Jesus said, if you lukewarm, he said, you make me want to vomit. You ever had a person say that to you? But God will. So he's, he's apt to be your friend one minute and understand everything about you and be God the next minute until you make him throw up. Huh? If any man you was going with told you that you'd be out the door to what is wrong with him? I don't, he crazy. He, he I got a psycho on my hands. Huh? All I can tell you is that's the way he feels about lukewarm. We ain't gonna be lukewarm, okay? We gonna avoid that. <laughs> So Jesus challenges this man. He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the man implores him further. In other words, the man doesn't go away empty handed. This is the first thing you got to do. When you think you're getting a no answer, 
or you think your answer is being delayed, you got to dig in even deeper. You got to say, God, I want it anyway. You understand? I don't care how long it's been. I want it anyway. And you got to mean it. You can't just go up and say, I want it anyway, and and think he's going to supply everything else you need to get where you want to go. Amen? The reason Jesus wants us out of sight faith is that it wavers. It wavers depending upon what you see. It wavers depending upon what you think you're waiting on and looking for. Sometimes you're waiting for something to change so that you can believe even more, and it's not going to work that way. you got to believe the same at the beginning as you did at the end. Amen? Your faith cannot waver. If it does waver, you got to get it back on stable. Feed yourself the word some more. Listen to some tapes that will give you revelation and give you understanding. Do that some more. But shore up your faith. Make it stronger. Make it hold. Make it hold on to what you believe in God for. Now, Jesus could have gone home with the man to heal his son. Once Jesus hears your prayer, it's a done deal. Amen. The fact that he he hears you means that you're going to get what it is you're asking for. And Jesus has done this for other people. He's gone with them to where they were taking him and he would lay hands on people and and they would be healed. But if he does this, would that help this man's faith problem? There are so many different ways that God can intervene for us. The way he chooses is the best way for us. Amen. And you've got to understand that about God. You can't call him a hard taskmaster. You can't have any unloving thoughts toward God and how he's working in your life. You have to accept what he's doing. Since he's the author and the completer of our faith, we can never forget that he must improve the condition of our faith at all times. Whenever it needs to be improved, We've got to accept the fact that he must improve the condition of our faith. He's got to do it. He can't leave your faith at entry level. It's like, for instance, you get hired at a job and you see all of these courses that they give other people, you know, to get proficiency in different skills and different abilities and all this and all that. And you know that in order to get a promotion, you've got to go through these proficiencies, but you never get chosen. Why do we whine when we get chosen to increase our faith? Huh? See, you wouldn't if it was a natural, but see that sight faith again. Huh? But when you have sight faith, you can understand it. If you don't get tested, you won't get graded. If you don't get graded, you won't get promoted. If you don't get promoted, you won't really learn or accomplish anything. So why would Jesus hold us back at baby Christian faith? You know, where you whine for everything. And see, babies think they get stuff because they whine. 
Now, don't let that one go by you. Huh? Because it's going to work for a season. But once mama understands what a wine and a wine is, uh uh-uh, ain't nothing wrong with him. He just want me to pick him up. He's one. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus is even smarter than moms. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Because that wisdom came from him. So you don't want your baby to go through life screaming for everything. Now, some people ain't don't pick up real quick. Now, granted, that's why they what they get super nanny when they. But it's not irreversible. It can be changed at any time. Uh, super nanny come in there now. Now you're the parent. Uh, she whooped the parents first, and then they see if they can whoop the kids. They never do, but. Some of them are, they don't pick up real quick, you know. But God doesn't want us to go through life demanding him to change the course of what He's he's got in store for us faith-wise. He does not want us to do that. Many times in our fitfulness and fretfulness, the Holy Spirit will just let us know, you know, it's like when you snap out of it, you realize, God, I did it again. It's something I just keep falling into this mental trap of mine where I keep thinking I got to have certain things and I got to do certain things. And I I have you. I have everything. Why am I not understanding that 24-7? See? It's called repentance. Oh, God, please forgive me. I started. I got wound up again. Let the devil get my mind and wind. It's the devil again. It's him bulls above. Huh? <laughs> so this man tells Jesus, listen, hurry up and come with me. My son is going to die. How many times have we said that? Hurry up. I sure be glad when I'll be glad when I'll be. You might as well get glad now. That's all I can tell you. Amen. Because it's going to come when it comes. And you're whining about it and you're demanding and you're carrying on and you're saying, oh, I can't. Oh, I got to get this. Oh, I can't get soon. Pretty soon, though, you realize that the minute you get peaceful about stuff, it starts to move along again. Anybody ever notice that? When you quit whining and fretting and cajoling and carrying on, hmm, it subsides and gets better. Thank you. Pastor Shirley, I think the Lord does have a word for you. He said, great faith awaits you, sister. Great faith awaits you, says the Lord. The Lord is saying, think it not strange that you are contending for what you believe at this point in your walk with me. Don't think it's strange that you're in sometimes intense warfare, but you don't see it as intense, but it is, says the Lord. An intense warfare over what you're believing me for, says the Lord. But he says, It'll all be worth it. Just count it all worth it right now. Count it all worth it. 
all worth it. So it'll all be worth it. So count it worth it by faith right now, says the Lord. And this bumpy road is going to smooth out for you. It's going to, the road will be made straight and plain and you will walk over it with ease, says the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 See, everybody has to go through their paces. Amen. Yeah, many times people that, that we depend on, amen, to help us in our walk with God, God has to put them to a test too. You understand what I'm saying? We get all get tested and challenged at some point because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. But we're going to come through. We're guaranteed to come through. Come through like gold. Amen. Come through like gold. That's what he wants for us. To come through like gold. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is saying, pray for those people that are fearful at this time, says the Lord. Pray for those individuals who are fearful. He said the enemy has planned to lock some people away, never to emerge again. Some people will never get over this fear that has gripped them, says the Lord, because there is a fear that is is increasing in the earth. But the just shall live by faith and will live fearless, says the Lord. Stay in that place of being justified. Stay in that place of grace in me. Stay in that place of my great mercy toward you. And don't disdain those who are fearful. Have mercy on them, Lord, says the Lord. Have mercy on them and pray for them. Take authority over the fear that is trying to grip their hearts. The Lord is saying that there are many who will drop dead, not from this virus, but from fear, says the Lord, because it is gripping people worldwide like never before some never to emerge again the end time will be marked with great mental illness says the spirit of god because the enemy wants to drive people mad because of fear but i have not given that to them i have not given that to my people says the lord for you overcome fear by the blood of the lamb stay before me Stay in your justified state. Stay in the mentality of overcoming. Stay in the mentality of being humble to me, says the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on these high places, not just for me, but for those that will depend on your faith to get them through, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. See, God has many things in store, many things in store. He is planning great things for the earth, but he has to take his people through some changes, through some paces, through some work, amen, to get our faith up to the level that he's going to need for the work, amen. It's all for the work of the ministry, so that's that's what we're here for, amen.
So this man is in a hurry to get Jesus to come with him to heal his son. Amen. And Jesus wants his son to be well. You have to believe that. Everything that we want, God wants it for us. We just don't want it in the same order and in the same way and for the same reason. But as soon as we can get in sync with him and have the reasoning of God in everything that we do, it gets easier for us. See, we start to understand that there's more going on here than what I'm aware of. You know, you you get that little inkling here and there. It's scary sometimes. And then sometimes you think to yourself, oh, God, I'm just an ordinary person. You can't want me to do things that are earth changing. You know what I'm saying? But you've got your, his spirit in you. And that's what's going to change the earth. It's not going to be you by yourself, but it will be you working in coordination with the Holy Spirit and working by the power of God. And so he wants to rev up that power. He wants to increase that faith. That's why we see many saints being challenged in, in different ways, because God is up to something. And if he's going to use someone and you want that someone to be you, then then we have to understand that he will put us in these challenges and these testing situations, amen? So that when we come through, we will have the vision of God. We won't get the vision without the test, without passing the test first, amen? So this man must do things God's way in order for him to see his son healed. So he decided to take Jesus at his word and act on it. That's what faith is. Faith takes God at his word and he, and we act on it. So the nobleman in verse 49, it says, the nobleman said, come or my son will die. And Jesus said, go your way. Your son's alive. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and went his way. Believing and action are the same thing. No action, no believing. If he has said, well, I don't need to be in a hurry to get home. He said, my son's alive. He said, no. He said, go your way. Because your son's going to be healed by your faith. Amen. So your faith is activated by you doing what I tell you to do. See, this is where people miss it. Because they think Believing is just sitting around wishing for stuff. Believing's always an action. Uh-huh. Believing's always an action. Even if the action is just mouthing the words yes and amen. But if God gives you specific instruction for what to do in order to, for you to receive what he's got for you, you gotta obey the instruction. Amen? With Naaman, it was go dip in some dirty water. Amen? Seven times. Huh? Six didn't do it. For all of those people that like to cheat God, when when God tells you seven, you should say, God, listen, I'll do eight. I'll do ten. I'll do a dozen. I don't care what you, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Who am I to call the shots? This man been looking at his nose falling off, his fingers falling off and all. You mean to tell me he's going to get picky? Well, he did for a minute, but he eventually obeyed God. Mark 11.22 tells us to put your faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. When you pray, believe you receive it and you will have it. Because you can have what you say. 
All you need to do is say, but God, I thank you for this. I thank you that I'm healed. Don't say, I thank you for healing me because that your mind might tell you you're not healed yet. Healing means in process of, but healing also means having been healed. So God, thank you that I'm healed. Let's just settle the whole story. By your stripes, I was healed. And I thank you that I'm healed. And I receive it. I take it right now with my faith. And I'm walking on away with it. This man must obey Jesus. He must obey him to get healing to his son. He has the ability to do it. Faith is both a decision and an act. You make up your mind whether to put your faith in God's word or whether to believe in what you see. So he decided to take Jesus at his word and act on it. Once you put it in God's hands, he will do it. Amen. It says in verse 51, as he was now going, his servants met him and told him, your son is alive. Amen. So this man walked as far as he could believing. And I believe this with all my heart. Suppose he had had to go all the way home to his door. He might have given up before he got there. See, the enemy, as soon as the devil knows you're on your way somewhere with your faith, he wants to hitch a ride with you. He'll get in your backpack. He'll get in your purse. He'll get in whatever he can hitch a ride on. He's on his way with you. Amen. And so once we understand that the enemy wants to fatigue us and wants to keep us from receiving, and because Jesus is the finisher of his faith, when this man is on his way, when I believe that when this man started home believing that his son was healed, those servants took off going toward him at the same time. Because why would they wait? Good news always wants to get there first. Amen. Unless you're some kind of twisted person. But good news always takes off speedily. So they say, we're going to meet him halfway. Boy, is he going to be surprised and overjoyed when we talk to him. And the first thing that gentleman wanted to know, when did this start? When did he get better? Huh? Because you're invested in your faith too. You want to know what your faith can do. We want to know, but we don't want to be tested to know. We just want to get our A grade. I give you an A. I give you an A for faith. Well, A plus, just because you're such a good student. Huh? We want to make an A. <laughs> That's our A student, Nikki. Nurse Nikki, the A student. But, but we want to get a good grade without paying the price for it. Huh? But this man wants to know. He said, did my faith do this for real? Did I really move from whining and complaining and nervous and, and senseless into the realm of commanding the supernatural the way God wants me to? Did I move from that to that just like that? I'm going to do this again. Amen. And in fact, that's what your faith should be telling you. 
Listen, we mastered this and we going to do this again. Amen. We going to use our faith on everything that walks, runs, don't walk, don't run, that ain't sick, that is sick. Remember you used to pray for the goldfish, for the dog, for the cat, for everything. Those days are back again, folks. <laughs> Amen. Those days are back again. Because, and don't ever put that away. Don't ever stop doing that. Pray about everything. Use your faith on everything. If you got a dead flower around the house, raise it from the dead. Amen. Whatever you got there that's lacking and, and not right, you speak, start speaking to your checkbook, your bank account. If you don't have one, start speaking to a piece of paper and make it turn into a full checking account. Amen. But we got to use our faith, folks, for something. And use it for the things because God is looking for faith. Amen. He is always looking for faith. All right. Why don't we stop? Oh, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to use our faith. Oh, Lord, faith that can move mountains. Father, we thank you that we're going to see these physical limitations, our challenges to our health as small things. <laughs> when we're on the other side of this test, Father, we're going to look back and see. Boy, Lord, that was a small thing. Amen. Because we're looking with the, the backward eye of faith. We're looking at what you have accomplished through us. And it gives us great joy. So we thank you, Lord, for blessing us with the knowledge of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. We're done.